This is Spiritual Reality Plainly Seen, the podcast that takes a look at spirituality in our lives and the world around us. Here's your host, Dr. Frank Kaufman. Good morning. This morning's podcast is a little bit different from what I customarily offer. Usually I'm citing thoughts and commentary from a friend of mine who's younger and speaks a lot about accomplishing and attaining advances in contemporary culture and kind of the spirituality associated with an individual's pursuit of their growth, of their development, of their professional accomplishment. And it's a great enjoyment of mine to reflect upon these types of matters of how we can be engaged, active, proactive, uh, seeking professional excellence and to weave that in with the rare and unusual spiritual insights that uh, this friend and teacher of mine offer. The reading that I came upon this morning is something entirely different, and as I say, atypical of, of what I ordinarily send out as podcasts. This is from an older teacher, and the difference is clear, but it was so sweet to me and so so instructive and it had so much timber so much depth so much simplicity that i wanted to get this out too it didn't have the kind of electric bright flash in it but it had a kind of a deep mahogany a deep resonance and a sense of life that in many ways is lost i don't want to do the old man thing of time gone by but I think even young people have to be feeling somehow what's becoming of the nature of life and culture in our times is becoming very thin, very, very empty, very shallow, very hollow. And uh, certainly, certainly I'm not calling for old times. I'm ready for digital currency. I'm ready for blockchain. I'm ready for the advance of AI. In fact, I think the pursuit of AI should have no limits. The singularity is a genuine concern of mine, but my recent experiences in in prayer and meditation make me feel like there's nothing irreversible. I know the singularity is a, is a, a, a genuine source of concern, but there's a lot going on right now about, about how AI reflects its creators so that it inherits our biases or our AI reflects the shortcomings and the moral shortcomings or the those that program it. That's natural. But the inspiration I received lately internally is that everything ultimately is reversible. Everything ultimately can be repaired. And I somehow somehow I don't believe that there will ever come a time when humans can create something that we ourselves can't also uncreate or repair or reform. That's an entirely different question and different issue. The only reason why I went off on that is because I'm introducing a set of thoughts here that I want to juxtapose over against this type of contemporaneity, this type of digital and technological culture that is that is dominating our experience these days. The core reflection here is simply goodness. And 
how the reading struck me is, is this type of goodness still accessible? How, how will this type of goodness be made available to people who are growing up in the digital age? To me, there's a lot of shortcomings in the digital age. One of the, big, one of the biggest of which is what has become the severe mockery of what goodness is. Our brothers and sisters in France get murdered because extremists don't like drawings of their founder. And suddenly there's millions of people posting a, a French flag over their Facebook picture. This is goodness. Or getting online for hours every day, yelling and screaming and accusing people of having some sort of shortcoming or moral failings that somehow I've earned the right to call other people racists or other people transphobic or just to be just, just kind of sitting there in the loneliness of your little cubby hole, just kind of raging at, raging at individuals from a position of judgment and moral superiority and the very things that everybody condemned about classical religious believers not too long ago and suddenly we're surrounded by school marms and uh, and uh, nuns with rulers only the nuns with rulers are all tattooed up and ringed up and uh, instead of instead of for chewing gum in school it's because it's for being born white but this is not meant to be a uh, political, social, or cultural reflection. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a spiritual set of thoughts. And as I said, my focus is to look at an expression or an instruction on the nature of goodness. And it just struck me as radically juxtaposed or radically over against the type of things that are passing for goodness this day and age and I, I I'm not blaming I'm not blaming the the perpetrators or the people living in these uh, in this environment this kind of moral environment but just listen to this and just feel for a second what this instruction is like how it feels and if it doesn't if it doesn't make sense vis-a-vis an additional element of not being the smartest, the fastest, the coolest, the latest phone, and the biggest number of camera, cameras in your phone. How about this? And here's how the reading goes. It also has some uh, classical religious language in it, classical God language and stuff. But, but listen to the essence of, of what's being inquired about as I read from, uh, from this passage I came, I came across today. Why don't you build the kingdom of heaven first in your home. What is the kingdom of heaven? It is a kind of place where a passing beggar feels welcome to take a rest, where the birds make their nests, where the village people like to visit. God would be attracted to such a home and would want to make that his dwelling also. Why not make your home like this? When you have guests, don't hope that they will leave soon because it costs money to feed them. Godly families should take care of their guests, even if they have to sell their own clothes to raise money to care for them. This is one tradition which has been handed down 
from generation to generation in my family. We were raised to take good care of guests, even travelers passing through our village. When my grandfather was the master of our house, if a beggar showed up on a cold wintry day, he would give the man all the food on his table. When my grandmother would complain, he would say, supposing you were a beggar, would it be easy for you to beg door to door on a cold winter day? Therefore, if someone comes asking for food, you must feed them. Beggars live day to day at the risk of their lives. If you understand their heart, you will let them eat as much as they want. My father thought that beggars were important. My grandfather thought that beggars were important. My father also felt this way. He too would give someone the entirety of his meal. The head of a household is responsible for helping others. Even when you don't have enough food for yourselves, you must give food to your visitors. So here's a person not kind of pounding a Bible or, or pounding a pulpit or yelling and screaming about some version of political correctness or not demanding that legislators vote in a certain way to zone things a certain way or that schools be districted in this way or that or constantly looking for inequalities and constantly demanding greater and greater that somebody uh, the, the point is that, that the nature of goodness is, seems to be that that your capacity to demand that somebody else take care of problems and so when I came across this uh, reading today it was so uh, contrary in my feel to everything I read and see and feel these days about what is good. And God knows there's tons of crap that is not even good at all. You turn on the TV and 90% of it is just, it's vile, it's gossip, it's, it's licentious. It's, it's, it, I'm not even talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the side of TV and, and online life that, is, that imagines itself to be talking about goodness. And you never see or f hear or feel someone saying, giving this kind of advice. Even if, if you don't have enough food for beggars, sell your clothes and feed them. Or if you have guests in your house, don't hope that they'll go away because it's costing you all your money. Treat them well, feed them as long as they want to stay. It's, it's how he was raised. And this, this is what I called this, this resonance, this deep, natural, uncomplicated integration with just the way of, of recognizing what's good in the world. It's, it's not hard to recognize goodness of this sort. So it's, this is the only thing I wanted to put forth. It seemed to me to be such a simple and inarguable and basic rooted advice that just it just doesn't take a lot of philosophy or conceptual teaching. It's, it's what his father, his grandfather taught his father, what his father taught him. It's the head of a household representing a basic humanity, a basic humanness, a basic goodness that 
is is the foundation for the way to live properly in the world. It isn't it isn't a complicated morass of trying to identify the subtleties or the shades of what's right and what's wrong. It's it's plain and grand even in its small way. So I hope I hope this was an enjoyable reflection. I hope that the juxtaposition is a, a splash of cold water so that uh, we have a moment to see and feel what's the nature of the culture and the world that has arisen around us and to see how will we be able to, to embrace the outstanding opportunities that come with technological advance and yet infuse it with the obvious basis of genuine goodness. Thanks a lot for listening. Talk to you again soon.